Solomon Kinley in the backfield. Live in the entertainment capital of the world. And Tua throwing the other way to a wide open Durham spike for the touchdown. It's the T.C. Martin Show. Diagnosis. Shotgun. Murray. Prognosis. Out of the pocket. Seven seconds. Osmos. Six seconds. Murray gives it Brian, pump it up. TC one. Thank you. It's Murray Magic. The doctor now in. And a good Friday afternoon to you. Hour number two live from the Cosmopolitan of Las Vegas. The spot to be. People are rolling in for an exciting weekend here. They're coming from all over. I mean, Vegas, California, uh, Winnipeg. Saskatchewan, they're all here. Jerry the Dentist in the house. It's all happening here at the Cosmopolitan of Las Vegas. T.C. Martin, Brian Benowitz here, Numchuck here, our engineer in charge, Brian Feldman. Appreciate him for being back in the studio with us and joining us now for hour number two. Our handicapper extraordinaire, Marco D'Angelo from Wager Talk. And he is donned in the golden, both these guys, donned in the Golden Knights gear, ready for Nevada Day, the early start with the Golden Knights at T-Mobile Arena tonight against the Anaheim Ducks. Marco, what's happening, my friend? Uh, it's just a busy Friday as usual, uh, TC. we got everything going, hockey, football, basketball, you name it. Uh, so uh, glad to be here. It works out uh, to just shoot right down the Boulevard to the game here in a few minutes. All right, and you didn't mention World Series. You know we got game number three happening, my friend. Yeah. I hope I hope we have a game tonight. It's currently raining in Atlanta, so hopefully we'll we'll get that game in uh, tonight between the Braves and the Astros. Yeah, Marco's a proud member of the two two two. Yeah, I'm at the two two five. You the two two five? Right there on the same side of the yeah. ice, cheering hard. So do you guys actually have uh, rivalry games against each other, like on off days or something like that? The two two five versus the two two two. We challenge the two two two, but they haven't come out to the ice rink yet. They so haven't. Yet. Okay. I'm not sure they can skate that well. All right. I got right. Jerry can skate, so I know yeah. that I'm good there. At least I got one in my arena. You know what I heard though? I heard the two two five would be minus three thirty on the pickleball court. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. For sure. We're very crafty. <laughs> no doubt about it. All right. We are live here at the Cosmopolitan Las Vegas. Of course, inside the sports book, our Friday home each and every week here in the uh powered by William Hill. All right, guys, let's talk a little let's talk this little baseball with you, Marco. Look at it, it's time for the rally towel. Everyone, <laughs> you gotta wait. I brought rally towels from Minute Maid Park. So you got you gotta wave them. Nunchuck. You you get we gotta wave the rally towels here. How many Astro fans are in the house here today, huh? There we got some. There we go. All right. Brace fans. Huh? Oh, look at this. We got a little hot land going. There it is. See, where else can you get? No one else in Las Vegas has the official rally towels here. Nobody. Brought it right back to me. There might be two other people. Yeah. <laughs> I, I did see a few other people on, on the plane ride going to uh, Minute Maid Park. I had a couple of Astro fans. I'm surprised AJ didn't go out. He's a Houston guy. Yeah, he is a guy. I know. Yeah. I was in constant contact uh, with Adam Joseph regarding uh, my my spots, my my food spots. So there you go. Yes, yes. Right. He enjoyed uh, Billy Idol, though. He had a good time. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Cosmopolitan at Chelsea. Fantastic. Yeah, All right. All right, guys. Uh, Marco, what do you think about uh, the World Series thus far? Game three tonight, if we play it. Well, I ended up, I passed it for my clients. I gave them an opinion on Houston. I wasn't. I couldn't get to the window. Uh, you got Garcia coming off that really good start last time out. But the couple starts before that, man, were they bad. And I just don't trust him on the road tonight uh, to pull the trigger with them. But I do lean to them. I had Houston, or excuse me, had Atlanta in game one, and I had Houston in game two. So I am 2-0 and oh so far. But I'm taking the night off on this one tonight. Mm -hmm. If I had to play the total, given what I'm saying about Garcia and I'm not a big fan of uh, Anderson. I would have to look to the total going over. Yeah, see, I, I give a slight lean to to Garcia. Uh, he's pitched in some big time games before, and again, especially coming off of that that last win. And I think you know the way he pitches is more conducive for him in that big ballpark there in Atlanta. And, and like you said, Anderson, he's not a big strikeout guy. And uh, I, I just I think tonight would maybe be a good spot for the Astros. Game four, I don't know what to expect because it's going to be basically a bullpen game for both teams. And Atlanta is probably going to have to go with a bullpen game in games four and five because Charlie Morton is injured. He's out 
you know, he was you know slated to go in games one and five, and then kind of be there if they needed if it goes to a game seven out, out of the bullpen. So yeah, Atlanta's really got some some question marks on how to handle game four and five. And in Houston, Dusty Baker's probably going to have to go with Zach Greinke, and uh, you know that's that's a little shaky. But the, again, Greinke maybe could have a little bit better success in that bigger ballpark uh, in Atlanta. But for me, Game Four was a stay away, and I think I'm thinking about taking a shot with Garcia. Yeah, he's got the confidence. And one thing about Garcia in his last start, what I ended up doing in that game, which was contrary to the way that series had gone, I had went with the under in his start because. One of those two bad starts that he had was a day game. And he pitches much better at night if you look at his numbers on the splits. And too many people don't, you know, break it down that far. You know, they just look at the raw numbers. And these guys do have different tendencies, home and away, day and night. And uh, his ERA was definitely different uh, day to night. And uh, he had the good one. You see pitchers when they get that one good start. A lot of times, that's the signal to go ahead and you know get the buy sign because they have that confidence, especially when they have command with the strikeouts in the in the walks. That's what I like to look at. If a guy you know jumps up on the strike end side and only has maybe one uh, walk in the game, you know he had full command of his pitches. And when a guy has full command, that that confidence generally carries over to the next start. All right. Marco D'Angelo joins us uh, from Wager Talk. All right, guys, let's talk a little college football. Uh, we've got a lot of good games here. This, and I was like kind of you, Double B. We're going to be doing our best bets next segment. Trevor Maddich will be joining us from ESPN, of course, like he does each and every Friday, give you our three best college games, our three best NFL games. I, I had a problem narrowing it down. A lot of times I'm looking at our games, I'm saying, okay, maybe it's a little a stretch to find three really good ones. But I was on the fence with several of them uh, today. But uh, let's 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 run down some of the marquee games that people are going to keep their eyes on today. And if you have an opinion on this with the best bets, then we'll kind of save that uh, again uh, for a little bit later on. But Iowa and Wisconsin. Wisconsin is, is favored by three and a half. This is a team I've had all kinds of problems trying to figure out. I think everybody has. And I know for a lot of people, you know, we thought Iowa was really the class of the Big Ten. And then they threw in that clunker a couple weeks ago against Purdue. Uh, they've had a couple weeks now to kind of shake that off. Uh, Wisconsin, three and a half. Are you, are you surprised that they are more than a field goal favorite, Marco? Not really. Uh, Wisconsin, you know, we were high on them coming into the season, and then they had that horrendous start to the season. But really, now if you look at it, losing to Penn State, losing to Notre Dame, and losing to Michigan, and remember, the Notre Dame game was 10-10 going to the fourth quarter. That was a crazy, bizarre final six minutes in that game. I think that their losses don't look as bad now in Iowa. Yeah, they've got a great defense, but boy, that offense leaves a lot to be desired. And they should have lost the Penn State game, let's be honest. If if Clifford doesn't get hurt in that game, Penn State wins going away. Uh, and they had what I refer to as the dream crusher game, losing that game to Purdue. You know, now their goals are kind of gone. I think Wisconsin can get the job done here. Yeah, they, uh, they they had no business beating Penn State in that game. That game is 14-3, to and Penn State's in full command when Clifford goes down. Uh, Iowa's totally exposed at Purdue. Totally exposed. They got out game 464 <laughs> to 271. Purdue could have scored again when that guy reached to the end zone and the ball fell out and hit the, the pylon, right. which, was, which was a touchback. Uh, I believe Iowa's going to fade big time. The only reason why they were winning those games early in the year is they had crazy turnovers, and some that resulted directly into touchdowns and others into very short fields. They're not. That's not going to happen. But they're facing a defense here that is absolutely for real. Wisconsin is number one in the country. That's number one TC in total yards allowed. Uh, they rank third in rushing yards allowed. If they just protect the ball, they will wear out the Hawkeyes, and they're going to win this game just going away. They win with ease here. Staying in the Big Ten, I know Double B has a strong opinion on this next game, so I'll get your take on this, Marco. And, of course, it is the Battle of Michigan. Michigan and Michigan State, the game in East Lansing. Both of these teams 7-0, much to our surprise. Both are in the top ten right now. And I say it's our surprise because we have not seen this probably for the better part of a, de a decade and a half or so where these two teams have, uh, have been this good. Uh, and they're both, uh, like I said, undefeated at this point in time. Michigan, a four-point road favorite in this game. And I know a lot of people think, kind of like the Iowa-Wisconsin game, it's going to be ugly, it's going to be ground and pound, that sort of thing. 
But I don't think it will be. I think you're going to see some scoring this game because both of these teams, contrary to what a lot of people think, they can move it through the air. And they have quarterbacks that do like to throw the ball. And they do have two very good quarterbacks. At Michigan State, you know, they have a, a, a good quarterback. We've talked about him before. And the same thing kind of goes with Cade McNamara. I think Jim Harbaugh is going to try to open this thing up a little bit. But you do have two very strong defenses here. It'll be interesting to see how this game plays out. And let's take a look at it. Marco, what do you like? Well, for me in this game, uh, I'm not going to get to the window with it, but I do lean to Michigan minus the four. To me, when I look at the two teams, obviously you think about defense, as you said, as your knee-jerk reaction in this game, but that's not been the case this year. I look at Michigan State, and there's a couple games that give me pause with Michigan State this year. The Nebraska game is the big one. They played Nebraska when Nebraska was in a horrible scheduling spot coming off of the Oklahoma loss, and Nebraska should have won that game. If it wasn't for a late fumble, they lose that game into overtime. They outgained them. They were lucky to survive that one. And then, to be honest with you, they struggled mightily with uh, Indiana. Uh, I think Michigan has been the better, more consistent team, uh, but you've got that bugaboo with <laughs> Jim Harbaugh. Can he win the big game? Usually that's not till the end of the season when it's Ohio State. But, again, how long has it been since this game has been this relevant in the Big Ten when these two hook up? Brian, when you look at this game and <laughs> – you look at the Jim Harbaugh uh, angle here. Don't you feel that this is a, a must-win game for him and the pressure is on more on Michigan than Michigan State? No, I don't. I don't I don't think that's the case. I think Harbaugh's playing or uh, coaching with a lot more uh, ease. He's, he's enjoying it a little bit more this year. I think he's taking a lot of pressure off. Uh, he's got two great running backs that helps it out yeah. there. And he's got a fantastic defense, so he looks a lot calm, more calm on the sideline. And I don't, I don't think that there's any pressure on him to go in and win this game. I think the team is going to go in and win the game for him. But I mean, considering all of the the, the failings that he has had in his time there, and again, hasn't beaten Ohio State, you know, hasn't won a, a Big Ten title, and now they're on the cusp. But you know, they played very, very well, except they really haven't knocked off anybody of significance. I mean, you don't think that that this is the ultimate pressure game for him? I think they'll be prepared, ready to go. I think the two weeks that Michigan State has off uh, will will hurt them more than it will help them personally uh, as they try to prepare for a Michigan team that's a lot more dynamic uh, later in the season than they've been earlier in the season. All right. Staying in the Big Ten, guys, uh, Penn State and Ohio State. We didn't know what to make of Ohio State probably three or four weeks ago, but seems like they've turned it up uh, again. Not against great competition. And then Penn State. You guys mentioned, you know, Sean Clifford really not getting the job done at all. Penn State has been woeful. But when you look at this first glance, like, wow, Ohio State, eight and a half, uh, rather 18 and a half, a 19-point favorite in this game, it gives you, at least it gives me a little pause, like, man, I really need to look at the Penn State side. But then if you take the deep dive, you're going, maybe I don't want any part of this game. What do you think, Marco, at 18 and a half? Well, I think the line, you know, is over-adjusted because of what has happened in the last two weeks, and obviously it has. What would this spread have been if it was two weeks ago and Clifford didn't get hurt in the Iowa game? Penn State probably would have been rolling in here undefeated and been a much different thing. Last week's game, I thought Penn State, with the week off after the Iowa game, that they would have bounced back better. But obviously there was still the carryover effect, you know, losing that game and then having Ohio State on deck. They looked right past Illinois. Um, You look at the overtime, you know, I generally don't like to play teams coming out of overtime games in college football, especially a nine overtime (laughs) game. But, you know, and that's a pet peeve of mine. I do not like the rule change of the two-point conversions after the second overtime. It becomes a skills competition, not, not a football game. But when you get to it, those two teams, 13 of 14 attempts, <laughs> neither team could score three yards. Yes. And if Penn State falls behind in this game, that is where my concern is. Ohio State's offense is so dynamic that if they get out to a 14 nothing lead, then Penn State has to rely on the passing game. And Clifford didn't look 100% to me last week. That's the concern there. So uh, for me, my knee jerk, I want to take the points, but I just can't pull the trigger on yeah. Penn State. But I'm not going to lay that big number with yeah. Ohio State. Yeah, Ohio State early, early in the year looked susceptible both on both sides of the ball. Uh, the QB was missing guys. They weren't running the ball, and their defense looked like they were just in, in the wrong spot. 
They looked to be uh, uh, their, their linebackers uh, just just were too young and they weren't there. Now they are scoring so quickly and getting to the lead and forcing the other team to be one dimensional, and uh, they're just blowing teams out. It's 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 amazing to watch this offense play now because if Penn State holds them to less than I don't know forty five, you'd say it's an accomplishment. Mm-hmm. Now can Penn State score in the twenties against this team? I don't think so. So I think there's only one side to play. I got a big star. It didn't make my my top selection, but Ohio State looks very playable to me. Mm-hmm. And you talk about the Ohio State defense, and they looked very susceptible, you know, early on. The the defense was really non-existent. And if Penn State could muster up something, you would think, okay, they, you know, this could turn into one of those type of shootout games where Penn State could get in under the number. Um, What gives you the confidence that Ohio State's defense is better now? Well, they, I mean, they're what they're they're shutting people down. Mm-hmm. They they only allowed seven points last week, and I think zero the week before. I mean, yes, they're not the greatest team. Yeah, that's where I was going. But, yeah. but still, it's it's uh, it's it's it, they've they've been able to get uh, maybe healthy, maybe be able to get them in sync. These younger guys, and again, when you make a team one dimensional, when you're up twenty eight points on somebody, mm-hmm. they can't run the ball anymore. It's not a game in the trenches. It's not a game playing tactful. They got to try to come back and and you know, at that point. Pass rushes all over you, and they force turnovers and short fields. And before you know it, they got sixty points on the board. Georgia, Florida, always uh, a great game to watch. Usually very, very competitive, but Georgia has been outstanding. The number one team in the country, favored by fourteen. The uh, the world's largest outdoor cocktail party in Jacksonville, neutral site. Uh, these two teams go at it. Very similar to what Texas and Oklahoma do each and every year. Is part part of the Texas State Fair. Uh, but but it seems like it's all Georgia, and then Florida uh, really has struggled a lot this season. Uh, Marco, thoughts about Georgia being a 14-point favorite in this rivalry game? It is a rivalry game, but Georgia, that defense is absolutely lockdown defense. I, we know Florida, what they're going to do. They're going to come into this game. They're going to try to score points. They're not going to get the points. And you talk about becoming one-dimensional. If Georgia gets to that 14-21 to 21 point lead, then Florida, you know, then they got to become a passing team only. And against this defense, they're going to get turnovers. Um, I like Georgia in this game. I wouldn't have a problem laying the points with Georgia. I know it's not something you like to do in rivalry games, but I think Florida, to be honest with you, smoke and mirrors, I think too much goes back to the performance against Alabama, and everybody is clinging on that. And at the time, and still, Alabama's defense isn't good. You can't compare Alabama's defense to Georgia's in any shape or form, and that was a true home game for Florida, where this is the neutral site in Jacksonville. Yeah, I got caught in that trap. Uh, I thought Florida was better when I watched them play against Alabama, and they came in on hard. But Florida had an unbelievable opportunity and should have just gone in and whacked that team in Baton Rouge in LSU. They gave up 49 points to a team with a coach that was on the hot seat and ready to go and, and, and a disaster there. I, I don't know what's up with Florida. I do know what's up with Georgia. They've allowed four touchdowns in seven games. Right. Four. So uh, they get any part of this lead, it could get real ugly real fast in Jacksonville. All right. Notre Dame hosting North Carolina. Now, North Carolina, they were like the, the flavor of the month back in September. But, man, that, that defense has been non-existent. Sam Howell, still a fine quarterback, has had an interception bug. Uh, and now Notre Dame is a three-and-a-half-point favorite uh, in this game. Uh, what do you think, Marco, of these is, two teams in South Bend? This is one of my best bets. Yeah. You, you want me to go now or save it? No, we can save it. Yeah, okay, We yeah. save it. I'll let yeah. Brian yeah. have the floor. Yeah, I, 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 North Carolina is just uh, the most confusing team I've ever looked at. I stayed away from the game because of that. Marco probably has a lot more uh, information on it. But just when you think that they can't be stopped, they, they make just boneheaded plays. So uh, going into South Bend, I think it's a tough spot for them. Uh, I guess if you made me play it, I would play Notre Dame, but I, I, I didn't touch the game. Yeah, I mean, I looked at uh, this game, and my initial thought was, okay, can I make a case for Notre Dame? And again, I just still have in my uh, stuck in my brain you know, some of those miserable performances from the de- defensive side of the ball from North Carolina uh, you know, earlier on. But uh, I, I know that they can get up down, you know, the field. We understand that. And Notre Dame, it, they're 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 a tough team to handicap, you know. And you know, you go back to look at that Cincinnati game, you know, and and Notre Dame got really, you got pushed around by that Cincinnati team, you know, in Notre Dame. So 
yeah, for me, it was a total layoff game, but we'll let Marco tout us in which direction to go uh, a little bit later on. All right, guys, uh, we mentioned that there are, or there were several other college games that were outside of our best bets. Real quick, Brian, give me one that uh, you thought about playing, but uh, you laid off the best bets. Well, a couple of them. I, I don't like <clears throat> Virginia traveling all the way across the country in a non-conference game to play BYU. BYU is kind of an angry team there, and they're going to be tough at home, and they really step up for non-conference opponents. So I thought that number was very short at two and a half. Secondly, you know, I'm a UCLA guy. Uh, they were all in last week and had the position to win that football game. Now they got to pack up and go play a very, very difficult place in Utah. Utah, to me, looks like that spot. Uh, I was very disappointed to see DTR not finish that game, go into the tent and have the other kid come in and throw the interception at the end. So I think it is a very bad spot for UCLA. They had game day there. They were all in. They had Bill Walton there cheering and screaming, had the ball in hand, driving, and then threw the pick. So I think it's a huge letdown for him. So I think Utah's a good spot. All right. Marco. Game that didn't make my best bet, and the only reason was is I'm waiting for a weather update, which I did get today. Uh, it's the Pitt-Miami game on Saturday. I love the over in that game. Didn't make my best bet because they were calling for rain. Right now the rain is pushed back uh, a couple hours, so they should get the game through with no rain. Pitt, that was the biggest game in the Pat Narduzzi uh, coaching regime in Pitt <laughs> last week, beating the Clemson team. Even though Clemson is a shell of their former self on the offensive side, they're still a good defensive team. That was a big win for Pitt, and Pitt has shown earlier this year, and I went against them in the game after that, Western Michigan, after they went to Tennessee and beat Tennessee, Pitt's defense still is not good, but this is a very dynamic offense. And I said it last week to on one of the shows that I do, I said, if you want an outside shot for the Heisman Trophy, get your ticket on Kenny Pickett before the Clemson game because he's going to get on everybody's radar if he has a good game in that game, which Pitt did and Kenny Pickett did. Guy has a 23-to-1 touchdown-to-interception ratio. Pitt will not take their foot off the gas because they want to stat, pat his stats as well. So I think you're going to see a shootout. Miami will score. This will be the best offense Pitt has seen with Miami, and if their heads are still in the clouds a little bit, they're not going to have that defensive intensity that they had against Clemson, plus it's not an anemic offense they're facing this week. All right, that's the college board. Guys, let's go over to the NFL and look at some of the games uh, on Sunday. Pittsburgh and Cleveland. Marco, you know all about the Steelers. And, uh, uh, you know, Baker Mayfield, you know, questionable. Sounds like he is going to play. Cleveland's a a three-and-a-half-point choice over the Steelers. Uh, Mike Tomlin, very uh, convincing, saying that uh, he's not going to take a college job. He's not interested in a college job. College job is below him. And uh, that was a pretty cool press conference, having him storming out, you know, when people are talking to him because he's got bigger things he's got to concentrate on. He's got to get this football team right. And uh, this is a big rivalry game coming up in Cleveland for the Steelers and the Browns. Yeah, it's Mike Tomlin said, never say never, but never. <laughs> that, was, that was the best. Uh, for the Steelers, I can tell you, there is absolutely no question that they have this game circled on their calendar from last year. And I think it's the sole reason that Ben came back to play this year. If you saw him on the sidelines at the end of that playoff game last year, I mean, he looked like somebody that wanted to cry, and that couldn't be his last last game. But unfortunately, I'm a Steeler fan, and I got to look at what I see with my head. And even though Cleveland is extremely banged up, I still think Cleveland is the better team in this game. And if they do have to go uh, with the backup case, Keenum, I have no problem. Like I said, whenever they played last week, he knows this offense. This is the offense they ran in Minnesota when he was there and Stefanski was there. So I don't have a problem there. And as you see last week with the running back, you know, Chubb was out, Hunt was out didn't matter. And Chubb will be back this week. Yeah, you know, the running back position, I hate to say it, is the least important anymore in the NFL with a, a few rare exceptions that they're interchangeable. I think Cleveland gets the job done here, but then later in the season, circle the one back in Pittsburgh. That'll be the one. Yeah, I think people still think this is Pittsburgh of the last few years, and, and they're not. They're just not as good a football team. They're not a complete team. Uh, Cleveland has Baker Mayfield playing, and I think that that's the right spot to be on. I think that uh, the bookmakers hasn't caught up yet. This number to me should be more like five and a half. I don't, I don't really see uh, 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 Pittsburgh hanging with them through four quarters. 
So Tennessee and Indianapolis both coming off of some big victories last week. Tennessee, of course, beating Kansas City as, as an underdog. Uh, got the job done at home. Now they got to travel on the road. Still some question marks. You know, with that defense, even though you really couldn't tell because they really flustered Patrick Mahomes last week. But Indianapolis with that huge win over San Francisco in that horrendous weather that they had in Santa Clara last week. And now you've got Indy back in the dome, favored by two and a half. And again, these two teams, this is a rivalry game there, too. Yeah, I'll be honest with you. Uh, This is one of my best bets, but I'll get it out of the way now. And you want to get on it because this line has been moving. I got the game when it opened up. <laughs> Indianapolis was a one-point one underdog. It was only there for a little bit on Sunday. But this is a spot. I never like to use this phrase uh, because just because a team has to win doesn't mean they're going to win. But this is an absolute must-win for Indianapolis if they have any shot of winning the division. And the reason being is you're looking at a Tennessee team that if they win this game, they would be sitting at 6-2. and two. While they Indianapolis or Tennessee would be at three and five or Indianapolis, I mean, but they would have lost both meetings already. So now you're in essence looking at a four game Correct. lead. Uh, they need to get this job done. And for Tennessee, monster effort two weeks in a row. They played Buffalo uh, on Monday Night Football two weeks ago, then played Kansas City last week. Those were two big revenge games for them, and then they totally shut down Kansas City. Uh, who's got a whole set of problems of their own. I just don't see them being able, even though it's a division game, to get up for that third game in a row and playing at home. And as much as we've ragged on Carson Wentz, he's doing enough to win for this team. I like Indianapolis. If you don't want to lay the two and a half, you can look at them at the money line. You're still around a dollar thirty or a dollar thirty-five. Uh, that's the way I go in this one. Yeah, he's saying that Tennessee's going to bounce. That's the uh, horse racing, <laughs> horse racing <laughs> term. Absolutely. Horse racing term. Tennessee's due to bounce. So uh, Tennessee's looked magnificent over the last couple of weeks. Yeah. A real gutty win in in, in stopping them right on the goal line and uh, against Buffalo, and then just tearing apart KC. Um, Indy is now playing some good football. I mean, that was a absolute downpour that that weather last yeah. week, and the, they they fell behind. They gave up that first drive right down the field, and they stayed with their game plan. And uh, Wentz is coming along with the system. Uh, I kind of like the Colts here laying the number. All right. Uh, Sunday night game, we've got Dallas and Minnesota. Vikings, a three-point favorite. Questions whether Dak Prescott is going to play or not uh, for the Cowboys. When you really kind of look at must-wins, hate to use that terminology <laughs> at this point in time, but really it, this is a must-win or, or needed win by for the Vikings. And they're favored by three. Something tells me that the Vikings are going to show up in this game. Sunday night football, you've got that old uh, adage about Kirk Cousins and he doesn't do well on prime time, mm-hmm. so you got to fight that. The question mark with Dallas, with uh, Dak Prescott, uh, I say Dak is going to end up playing. Yeah. Will he be 100%? That's a different story. And if he can't, if he's not totally mobile, that takes one of the elements away from their game, what makes their offense so uh, dynamic, because you've got to worry about the passing game. You've got to worry about, you know, Zeke, and then when you got those two things covered, then Dak takes off with the football. That's what makes them so hard to stop. I think it's going to be a high-scoring game. For me, uh, when the line was two and a half early in the week, that's the automatic tease up over right. the touchdown. So I have a couple teasers in my pocket with Minnesota uh, at plus eight and a half, and uh, I still lean to Minnesota for the game. But uh, I think I'll just ride my teasers in that one. Yeah, I like the Cowboys here. It's one of my best bets. Uh, uh, it's really a play against Minnesota. I don't like this football team on either side of the football. I think that Dallas is being underplayed, and I think Dax is going to play, and I think he's going to play very well, and their offense is dynamic. Uh, so if they put up 35 points, and uh, I, I, I can't imagine the the Vikings scoring much more than that. All right. All right, we'll take a look at some of the other NFL games on the other side as well, too. But when we come back, best bets time. We'll give you our three best college plays, three best NFL plays. Trevor Match is going to join us from ESPN as well, too. And that's all happening here next. T.C. Martin Show on a fabulous Friday from the Cosmopolitan of Las Vegas. T.C. Martin. I'm ready to go in, Coach. Just give me a chance. The doctor is now in, 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 in. 
Oh, yes, it is a football Friday, also World Series. Hopefully, we will get it in. Raining currently in Atlanta, the tarp on the field. Getting ready for game number three between the Astros and the Braves. See, didn't have that problem in Houston. I mean, I was dry. Went to the game in my short sleeve shirts. You know what I'm saying? 80 degrees, Minute Maid Park, and they opened the roof the other night. What do I get? Atlanta rain. Jeez, <laughs> oh, crazy. T.C. Martin, Brian Benowitz, Marco D'Angelo in the house. Trevor Maddich is uh, joining us as well. And it is time for our best bets. It's Football Friday and time for the weekend's action. Here's the best bets. Live from the Cosmopolitan of Las Vegas, the sportsbook powered by William Hill. Yes, our three best college plays coming your way, our three best NFL. And join us now, our good friend from ESPN, Trevor Maddox. Trev, what's happening, brother? They didn't uh, cover. Well, this week, they're playing Tulane. Tulane, one of the worst defenses in the country. A day that Cincinnati's offense has to go off in order to impress the committee. Because remember, the only win that the committee will be impressed with is Notre Dame, and only if Notre Dame keeps winning. So Cincinnati needs to blow Tulane out. There's only two teams in the country giving up more yards per game than the Green Wave defense. And I think Cincinnati will absolutely go nuts on this. I think they cover the 24-and-a-half points. So Cincinnati laid the 24-and-a-half at Tulane. Then, Ohio State has been the most reliable team in college football in a lot of ways because ever since they sort of struggled in September for a variety of reasons, they came out in October on fire. And they have been absolutely blistering people. Now, they're at home laying 18-and-a-half against Penn State. And I am taking the Buckeyes and laying the points. A couple of reasons for that. One is that even though Penn State's defense statistically has been pretty good overall, their rushing defense is not that great. They're a better passing defense than they are a rushing defense. And I think the Buckeyes, with running back Travion Henderson leading the nation with almost nine yards per carry, will establish the run and force that secondary to come up to the line of scrimmage. And that's when the passing attack will go nuts. The quarterback for the Buckeyes, C.J. Stroud, is the nation's leader in total quarterback rating. And so I think this will be, it's got a blowout written all over it, but not just because of that. It's got a blowout written all over it because the Penn State's offense is an absolute mess. They were a top four caliber team, in my opinion, with Sean Clifford healthy at quarterback. But he had to be healthy because they can't run the ball. And without Clifford in there, the backups have proved proven to be completely unworthy of anything remotely prime time. And Clifford was hurt against Iowa, had to leave the game in the second quarter. He played last week against Illinois, and they were hoping that he'd be able to get out early because they had a big lead. But guess what? He couldn't because that game was close. They ended up losing it in nine overtimes, and Clifford had to play the entire time banged up. So he did not get his week of rest. I think he'll start this week, but I don't think he'll be ready to do what he needs to do against the Buckeyes. So I'm laying the point with Ohio State. And then, Oregon has been terrible against the spread this year. At home, I don't think they've, they've won against the spread all year. But I think this game at home against Colorado is the game to take the Ducks to break out. They're laying 24, and I'm taking Oregon and laying the point. Their offense has really struggled. Their defense at times has struggled. They have played down to their opponents, but they still only have one loss. They still are in position to make the playoff, and they have been banged up a lot in the middle of this season, and they're finally getting healthy. Colorado is absolutely one of the worst teams in the country. They're in the bottom five in the FBS in terms of points per game and points per play uh, given up. They haven't scored more than 14 points in any of their five losses. The only time they scored more than that were against really, truly horrible teams. And this game at Oregon has all the makings of Colorado getting behind early and wilting. I am taking Oregon to buck their trends for the season and finally cover a spread at home. Trevor, man, I'm having a flashback. Last week, 
The same thing, right? I mean, laying 20, laying 26 last week, yeah. uh, Cincinnati. He, he's laying the lumber with these heavy favorites. All right, brother. You know, wish you well, man. All right. Uh, I appreciate it. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's a risk, but we're the time of season where these good teams have to impress the committee. Laying the lumber. Okay, Marco D'Angelo, what do you got? All right. Uh, I'll start off with North Carolina. Teased that earlier. North Carolina going to Notre Dame. All I got to say is the public is going to look at this game and say, oh, Notre Dame minus seven and a half last week at home against USC. Now they're only laying three and a half to North Carolina. Go ahead. North Carolina is going to win outright. Best offense that uh, Notre Dame defense has seen this year. Also going to go with Rutgers over Illinois. This is a total fade. Uh, of Illinois off of that Penn State game. I'm going to take Rutgers to get the job done. And the last one for me, Mississippi State against Kentucky. I don't like to use the word revenge that much, but this is a game that Mike Leach has had circled. When his offense only scores two points in a game against the team the year before, a 24-2 beatdown, six interceptions in that game. They get the revenge this week. I think Kentucky off of their loss, even with the extra week to prepare, uh, they're going to come out and lose that Georgia game twice. All right. Double B, what do you got? Hit me. Well, we've already touched on two of the games. I like Georgia to massacre Florida this weekend. Florida's defense was a mess in Baton Rouge. And I forgot to say before, this is a revenge game. A revenge game to boot. Georgia names their number. I think they went going away 20, 30 points, whatever it is. I'd be lucky to see Florida get past 10. I also love Wisconsin. I think Iowa's done. I think they're done. They really got exposed against not a great uh, offense in Purdue. And I think Wisconsin will will shut them down and uh, win a, a nice game. Uh, again, something like 21 to 3. But the game we haven't touched on is the game I thought I was going to be on the other side. I was trying to be very objective. And I, I know this is a huge in-state rivalry. I know that, that Harbaugh can't win the big game. I know that this is an elimination. I know that Sparty is stinging off those last two losses at home to Michigan. But looking at it, this game's going to be won in the trenches. And even with the two weeks prepare, Michigan's simply better up front. They're better in offensive line, and they're better in the defensive line. The last time out in Indiana, Sparty was extremely lucky to come away with a victory. They could not sustain drives. In fact, you know how many total yards they had in the game? 241. A pick six and holding Indiana to two sub-25 yard field goals got them a little win. Oh, and by the way, Indiana gave up 539 points the next time out, or yards yeah. and 54 points the next time out. Michigan's offense has steadily improved. They're coming off of 38 points in Wisconsin, 32 in Nebraska, and 33 at home in the Northwestern. Their ability to sustain drives into the end zone will be the difference. I'm going to lay the short number. He's laying it with Michigan. Okay. All right. All right. Well, I'm on two of your games. One with you, one against you. I'm taking Iowa plus three and a half against Whiskey. Hey, I've had it with this Wisconsin team. I've had it, as you well know. It's three years now. Both teams have been disappointing. <laughs> Iowa looked to be the class of the Big Ten until getting beat by Purdue, right? We're all talking about Iowa. But they were undone in that game because of four costly turnovers. That's why that score was lopsided, okay? They had a week to regroup, okay? Before that loss, Iowa looked to be the better team all the way around, Okay. They beat Iowa State. They beat Penn State. Maybe those those uh, wins don't look that great, but they're better than anything that Wisconsin has, all right? Wisconsin was awful all the way around. Even in beating Army, they barely beat Army. They looked pathetic on their home turf. And they were non-competitive in losses to Michigan, Notre Dame, Penn State. And I know, Marco, the Penn State game, you know, or the Wisconsin game, it was, it was close to later. But you know what? This team is averaging 146 yards passing. Who averages 146 yards in college football? You can't win with that. No, I am done with Wisconsin, okay? Not going to go back with these guys again. And last year, by the way, Iowa drilled this team 28-7. to Yes, wrong team favored. Iowa wins in Madison. I'm going West Virginia plus 7.5 against Iowa State. Iowa State hasn't looked that good. They were life and death to win last week against Oklahoma State. They ran for only 67 yards, and they have Bryce Hall, who's supposed to be a Heisman Trophy contender. Forget about that, all right? And it's a tough place to play, as we know, up there in West Virginia. Uh, they've also lost to Baylor and to Iowa, Iowa State has. West Virginia coming off a big win on the road last week against TCU. 
They had OU beat down to the wire. They're better, actually, at quarterback. Yes, I will take a West Virginia quarterback over Brock Purdy. So I'm going to say West Virginia plus 7.5 against Iowa State. And then I will engage in the world's largest outdoor cocktail party. Georgia, I'm laying it with 14. Absolutely correct. Two teams going in opposite directions. Georgia has been downright dominant. They beat everyone handily, including four ranked opponents. They've outscored their opposition 269 to 46. We all love the Georgia defense, but the offense is pretty darn good as well, too. And like you mentioned, Brian, Florida coming off that 49-42 loss to LSU. LSU had 450 yards against them, 321 on the ground. Yeah, that's not going to work. Georgia going to win by more than two touchdowns. I like Uga in this. Treasure, Trevor Maddich, real quick, give us your three best NFL. Okay, NFL. I've got Miami at Buffalo, Bills laying 14, and I'm saying take the 14. They are later 14. They, Buffalo, beat Miami 35 nuts on the first time they played. Tua got hurt in that game, but he'll be back. His offensive line, though, still isn't any good. The wide receivers of the Bills, Stephon Diggs and Emmanuel Sanders, they're, they're tough to cover when you're healthy, but there's a whole bunch of defensive backs that are banged up for the Dolphins, and I think that the the Bills' offense will just overpower them, especially coming off a bye, especially after losing before that bye to Tennessee. I take the Bengals at the Jets. Bengals are laying 10.5, and, and I say lay the points. This is sort of a theme this time. It's, it's big favorites, uh, and I'm saying lay the points on this. And this is for two reasons. I mean, the Bengals will be in the mix for a first-round buy in the AFC. They are just absolutely phenomenal right now. The Jets probably will have the first pick in the draft, because they'll be competing with Houston and Jacksonville for that. But there's two things here that really stand out to me. One of them is the Jets quarterback situation. Zach Wilson is out with injury. So they've either got a couple of backups that haven't proven anything or Joe Flacco, who just signed to help replace Wilson. The quarterback situation there is going to be pretty bad. And when you look at the defense of Cincinnati, they just held Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens to 17 points. They've been getting better. So I'm saying take the Bengals, lay the points. And then Carolina is favored by three. Check that. Atlanta is favored by three. No. Atlanta (laughs) is laying three points to Carolina. Let me get this right. Uh, Atlanta is laying three points at home against Carolina. And I'm saying take the Falcons, lay the points. Carolina has lost four straight games. They are struggling like crazy. On the flip side, Matt Ryan is throwing two of the best twins, you could say, in at the receiving core in the NFL. Calvin Ridley, wide receiver, has been fantastic. And Kyle Pitt, the rookie tight end out of Florida, is finally finding his legs. And he's had 16 catches in the last couple of games, whereas he only had 15 in the first month of the season. So Ryan is finding pits. And I think that combination of of Ryan to those two receivers, combined with the struggles the Panthers have had in, in the last month, tell me to take the Falcons, lay the three. Trevor, minus, 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 minus. All right, brother. There Root, you rooting you on. Marco, NFL. All right, I already gave you the one, the Indianapolis Colts. We're definitely on them. Uh, the other plays that we are going to look at, New Orleans, uh, taking them plus the points against uh, Tampa Bay. Yes, it's Tom Brady. I know that's tough going against him. They're 0-3 against the spread on the road this season. And if Jameis Winston was ever going to play a good game in his career, man, this is the one he is going to want against the team that said goodbye to him. I'm looking for a big effort from Jameis. And then the last one, it's an ugly, but I like ugly. We're going with Jacksonville plus three and a half against Seattle. Uh, I said it last week. If Seattle lost on Monday night football, their season's done. Uh, And this is a team that's a perennial playoff team, or at least in the contention to the final week of the season. They're not anymore. No Russell Wilson. I think this team's uh, fade for the rest of the way. All right. Well, you're not getting three and a half because it's three here at the William Hill Sportsbook. <laughs> so there you go. <laughs> yeah, I'll be on the other side. Russell Wilson looks shell-shocked on the sidelines in that game. Double, uh, double B, what do you got? Well, I've already talked about that. I'm going to take the Cowboys and the points. I think that that's a nice play against Minnesota on mm-hmm. Sunday night. Uh, I, I thought the Eagles were absolutely dreadful here uh, last week uh, in Las Vegas. Uh, the most unimaginative offense I've ever seen uh, when they went out there. It's Jalen Hurts right, Jalen Hurts left, 
and and that's it. I mean, they're going to get this guy killed. We talked about that last week about Sirianni not having a clue, right? It was embarrassing. Oh. So uh, I know the Lions aren't a great football team, but they've been competitive. Uh, I'll take this the three and a half at home. Uh, who the heck would take the Bears? I'll take the Bears, and I'm taking them because the 49ers are done. Their season looks terrible. Mm-hmm. They they couldn't win at home even in the rain. And I know this guy. Uh, What's his name? The QB that's, that's coming. Jimmy rookie. Garoppolo or uh, Trey Lance? What? No, the guy for the Bears. He's, oh, he's, he's Justin looked, Fields? Justin Fields has looked horrible. But uh, I think they're going to win a very ugly game. Uh, I'll take him on the money line, and you're going to give me four points. I'll take Chicago. You couldn't find a better game than that. You're going ugly versus ugly. I'm going, I'm going against teams. I don't like the Eagles, and I don't like the Niners. I don't care who they're playing. I'll take the other side and get points. You and Marco using the term ugly <laughs> during this NFL segment. Okay, I use mess, too. I he used mess. I used mess in my notes earlier. So. <laughs> Good point. Yeah. There you go. All right, guys. Uh, Marco, I'm going to take Seattle in this game. And I had Seattle the other night, um, you know, Monday night, and um, they're going to lay three against Jacksonville. I'm still not sold on Jacksonville. Making that, that cross-country flight and playing in front of the 12th man. And, and Seattle has played well enough to win the last two weeks. You remember the game two weeks ago against Pittsburgh? Played well enough to win. Should have uh, probably won that game the other night. And, uh, you know, Geno Smith actually has played pretty well. So they're not going to go 0-4 at home. So I think this is the time. This is the one that they step up. Lay in the three. I will take the Seattle Seahawks coming up against Jacksonville. I'm with you. Uh, it's, it's one of my best dog plays. I like the Saints plus four and a half for all the reasons that you said. Yes, it's Tom Brady. It's Jameis Winston. Normally we'd go against, but yes, this is the guy that was selected number one overall by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Jameis Winston wants to beat this team rather badly. He came out and said it, and uh, I like the Saints defense. I think that they are going to give Brady and that offense a little bit of difficulty. I think Kamara uh, shows up big. And remember, this is only the second time the Saints have played at home in their dome. They're going to be ready. They're going to be fired up. Give me four and a half with the Saints. Would not surprise me if they win the game outright. So I do like New Orleans plus four and a half in this game. And I'm going to go right back to the poison that bit me last week, the Kansas City Chiefs. And I'll say, they're due. All right? Lay the nine and a half. I'm going to be like Trevor Matz. I'm going to lay it with this because the Giants, yes, they had a big victory last week against 25 to 3 against Carolina. Forget about that. Chiefs are going to be ready to play. Oh, this is a Monday night football game, too, right? Everybody's eyes are going to be on Kansas City. Kansas City is going to give an A-plus performance here. They're going to win this game going away by double digits. Not a fan of, of what the Giants got going. Plus, they are so banged up. This is the game that Kansas City gets back on track. They got back on track in the second half of the Washington game two weeks ago, but they did not even show up against Tennessee. But, again, Tennessee had that game circle on the calendar just like they did the week before against Buffalo. I think this is a good spot for the Kansas City Chiefs to lay the 9.5 against the lowly New Jersey slash New York Giants. There you go. Trevor Mattis, we appreciate you, my man. And listen to Trevor. He'll be doing his marathon on ESPN Radio tomorrow with all of the college football action. We are rooting you on, brother, with all those favorites that you're backing this weekend. Thanks, DC. Take care, brother. Appreciate you. All right. Uh, Marco D'Angelo, Wager Talk. Uh, You can find him there. He's got his selections. Marco has been on fire. It doesn't matter what sport. If it's football, it's the hardwood. It's baseball. Marco's hit the first two World Series games. So congratulations with that, my friend. And hopefully uh, we do get a game three tonight with the Braves and the Houston Astros. Looking forward to, to seeing some baseball tonight. All right, and uh, the Golden Knights in action. You guys will be in attendance there tonight. Uh, I'm passing on the game tonight so to watch baseball, but maybe I can still go to the game and then come back and watch baseball because if we have a three-hour rain delay, I can catch both games since the Golden Knights are at 5 o'clock, right? Yeah, it's perfect for you. Yeah. <laughs> you won't be able to stay up to watch into that baseball, though. Yeah, right? It's a little late for you. Yeah. Because <laughs> we got to get up early for some college football uh, tomorrow as well, too. So plenty of stuff uh, there. All right. Uh, any other games uh, on the NFL side, guys, that were just sitting on the outside of your best bets that you'd like to uh, tout? Well, mine was the Saints, and uh, you guys both mentioned the Saints, so uh, that was the only other game that actually uh, interests me. Uh, there's a lot of big point spreads, and I usually don't get involved in those, so it uh, um, wasn't for me. Was it me? For me, uh, two games looking at. Uh, New England's getting some money uh, against the Chargers, but uh, 
I will admit, I finally broke through. I, I actually won a game against the Chargers, uh, the Baltimore game. They have been my nemesis this season. But uh, New England's playing good, and uh, Mac Jones is just gaining confidence by the week. And uh, I think Denver backed at home. Uh, I think they get the job done against Washington this week. I think Washington played their hearts out last week, and uh, they were in the red zone. It seemed like the entire game against Green Bay, but couldn't right. couldn't get the score there and uh, hurt me on my uh, contest play. But uh, we'll see uh, Denver bounce back this week. You know, I I had the Patriots last week, and they they destroyed the Jets. I think them going on the road there against the Chargers. I'm thinking the Chargers have some time to regroup here. I almost played the Chargers. I know that's not a great number to lay at, at four and a half, but I, I just think that uh, Justin Herbert's going to show up in this game. And I know Belichick does against young young quarterbacks, and he definitely did that last week against against the Jets against Zach Wilson. But uh, so that one didn't make it for me. But I, I was close to looking at the Chargers. And, um, yeah, and in that Cowboys-Vikings game, I, I would like to take a, a, a shot with the Vikings. I, I agree with you guys. I think that Prescott is going to play. But uh, for some reason, something tells me that this could be a good spot uh, for the Vikings. And Vikings defense could, could uh, handle the, what the Cowboys have uh, offensively. But other than that, you know, I, I looked at that Eagles-Lions game with you, Brian. And I, I would love to play the Eagles, you know, thinking that uh, – you know, because you know how much I love Jalen Hurts here. And, but what did it for me, I just X this game because there's so many injuries on both sides of the ball. Detroit, I don't know who they're going to start at running back. I mean, they, both of their running backs are gone. And then now Miles Sanders has hit the IR. No good for my fantasy team because Sanders is on my fantasy team. So the three main running backs in this contest will not be playing. So for me, I just had to X the entire game. The second Sanders went out in that game last week, Philly was done. Mm-hmm. On that, when they stopped him behind the line yes. on a, a three three yard loss, right. and they batted the ball down, and then it was just mm-hmm. it was just a mess after mm-hmm. that. They were they were horrible in Philadelphia in that game. Great atmosphere again last week at Allegiant Stadium. Oh yeah, it was fun. Yeah, it was fun. We missed you for the tailgate. I know. I, I had a little emergency come up. I, what was on the menu at the tailgate that I missed? Uh, it was uh, wings and pizza. Oh really? Yeah, it was your, just up your style. Yeah. <laughs> it's all my style. What's all is, your style? What that's isn't right. my style? That's right. Uh, well, yeah, you don't like fish. I know that. So. Yeah, it's okay. But I mean, uh, silver and black Charlie cook, cooked up to the tacos last time. Oh yeah, yeah. with the fresh corn tortillas. I was outstanding. Strong, strong. Yeah. Tortillas are a little hot on the fingers. So. Yeah, that's true. You got to watch that. Silver and black. Mike Charlie, doing it up. Next week, Breeders' Cup. Yes, and uh, you will not be here. You'll be in Del Mar. I'll be in Del Mar. Both of you guys will be in Del Mar. I'll be in Del Mar. I wish. Yeah, I'll be in Del Mar. Got my Breeders' Cup pin ready to go. Going to cheer on Helen's Well and the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Phillies turf. All right. That's a good price for you, TC. Probably 15 to 1 or so. Okay. Yeah. All right. I want to thank Mattress Mac for joining us live from Atlanta. Got that $38.9 million riding on the Astros. Appreciate Mattress Mac for joining us earlier in the first hour. Marco, appreciate you, my friend, as well, too. Thank you very much and good luck. No problem. Anytime. All right. Double B, of course, our gracious host here at the Cosmopolitan in Las Vegas. Come on out here to the Cosmopolitan. Enjoy the food, the gaming, and, of course, the fantastic sports book here. Uh, watch the games in luxury at the sports book powered by William Hill. T.C. Barnes saying so long. Thanks to Brian Feldman back in the studio. Appreciate you, my man. Numchuck here. And we will reconvene Monday at 2 o'clock.